Welcome to the Truth and Liberty broadcast. We believe we have a mandate to bring godly change to our nation and the world through the seven spheres or mountains of influence. To further this cause, we give away a product every week that will empower you to get involved in changing your life and changing our world. You can register for our weekly giveaway by subscribing at truthandliberty.net. You can also subscribe to our newsletter to receive weekly updates on guests, news, and much more. This is an interactive live cast and we welcome your questions. To ask a question during the live cast, use the comment or chat features. Now get ready to dive into this week's topics with our hosts on location in Colorado, USA. Hello and welcome to our Monday Night Truth and Liberty live cast. I'm Andrew Womack. I've got Richard Harris here with me. He's our director, or what is your official title? Yes, sir. Executive Director, Truth Executive and Liberty. Executive Director. And I tell you, Richard is just a real blessing. God's using him. And there's a lot of things that we're doing that we can't tell because we're having to do it undercover or else we will draw the wrath of some people. But... Uh, we're making a difference, and there's some great things happening. Amen. Truth and Liberty is beginning to make a real impact. Yes, I believe really that. good. Amen. And tonight, Lance Wallnow is our guest. You're going to be blessed by Lance. Uh, he's a blessing most of the time. And, uh, <laughs> and anyway, we're going to have a great time with Lance. But we also want to let you know we got a conference coming up. We got yes, some sir. great things happening, and you need to participate in it. So I'll let Richard tell you about that. All right. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks to all of you for watching. It's going to be a great show with Lance uh, tonight. But I wanted to mention Lance is actually going to be with us next week for the Truth and Liberty Conference. So uh, September 8th, 9th, and 10th, uh, we're going to have our annual conference here at Karis Bible College in Woodland Park. And just really want to encourage all of you to come out in person if you can. You can watch online. It's going to be live streamed, but it, it'll be a lot better if you come in person. Amen. We've got over a thousand people registered already. It's going to be an awesome event. The lineup of speakers is just the best. Uh, Lance uh, is going to be with us. I mentioned Mario Murillo, Andrew, uh, E.W. Jackson, uh, uh, David Barton, Bill Federer, uh, Pastor Rob McCoy, Eric Metaxas, uh, Janet Porter, and I'm going to get to speak. And I think I probably left one or two out well, so uh, long. Congresswoman Lauren Boebert. That's right. Congressman uh, Doug Lamborn. Yeah, so it's wow. going to be awesome. And 20, uh, over 20 different exhibitors of conservative Christian organizations that you can learn about and connect with so that you can get equipped uh, and make a difference. It's going to be an awesome event. So you can go on our website at truthandliberty.net and register now uh, and uh, come on out and join us. It's going to be a great time. Speaking of our website, as Andrew mentioned, there's resources on there. You know I talk about this every week that you need to check out. And uh, here's one of the latest that we've added is our, our strategic partner, My Faith Votes, Jason Yates there. Uh, they've got a great product out right now. It's called My Voter Hub. And you can go on this one-stop shop there and you can register to vote. You can check your registration. You can sign up for automatic reminders of when the elections are coming. And you can even get uh, a copy of what your ballot is going to look like. So it's an awesome resource. Check that out. I uh, wanted to mention as well that My Faith Votes is sponsoring September 18th Voter Registration Sunday in churches all over America. So find out if your church is participating. And if they're not, talk to your pastor about it. Connect them with My Faith Votes. It's something they can do legally and will make a huge difference uh, in our elections that are coming up. 
Hey, also, we've got other great events here at Andrew Womack Ministries coming up. I wanted to mention a couple of those. The annual Minister's Conference. Andrew's been doing a Minister's Conference for 40 years, I think you have. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's an awesome event for anybody who's in the ministry. You need to be here. It's going to encourage you and strengthen you as you're going to get full of the Word of God and the Holy Ghost and fellowship with other folks who understand what it's like to serve in full-time ministry. And I think uh, Andrew will be ministering. Mario Marilla will be back. Uh, Bob Yandy and Dwayne Sheriff, Mike and Carrie Pickett and Greg Moore. Uh, looks like Billy Epperhart is also going to be preaching. So uh, the only one not on the list looks like is Lance. I don't know what happened there. but <laughs> We can only take so much of Lance. Yeah. <laughs> Little Lance goes a long way. Is that it? Uh, but then... The uh, Women Arise Conference, November 3rd through the 5th, Terry Savelle Foy, Carrie Pickett, and Audrey Mack. I tell you, if I was a woman, I'd be there. That sounds really yeah, great. I may listen in even if I'm not. Well, there you go. So um, listen, folks, uh, if you're not a subscriber to Truth and Liberty, this is your connection point to get the information that you need to stand for truth. Uh, you know, we, we have a 24-7 news feed on our website of all our favorite conservative uh, news sources, reliable sources. But in addition to that, our blog posts and emails uh, keep you equipped. And if you'll uh, subscribe today, you'll be eligible to receive a free product in the mail. Last week, we gave away Andrew's book, A Better Way to Pray. I want to congratulate Pamela Finch on that. Pam, you uh, will be getting contacted about how you can claim that free gift. And this week, we're giving away the new you and the Holy Spirit. Andrew, this book tells people what happens to them on the inside when they get born again and when they receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And it's a real eye-opener for any of you who are struggling to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, this book is definitely for you. So subscribe today and be eligible to get that. And then I wanted to mention as well, um, we are the th stuff Andrew was talking about, we are able to do these things at Truth and Liberty because of our members. And uh, it's real easy to become a member of Truth and Liberty. If you're wondering, God, use me, how can I make a difference? This is one easy way that anybody can make a difference in our culture. Just go on our website to the donate page, sign up to make an automatic recurring contribution of $5 or more per month, and you'll become a member of truth and liberty. It's not tax deductible uh, in man's eyes, but God knows. And I believe it's kingdom work and, and uh, it will go to your heavenly account. Amen. So last thing I wanted to mention is um, uh, if you need prayer, someone who agree with you in prayer tonight, stand by faith according to God's word. Just call in 719-635-1111. And we've got a team standing by to agree with you in prayer. And let me mention that Truth and Liberty is doing a lot of things behind the scenes, as I said, that we can't really tell you about, but it's beginning to make an impact. Yep. And just last night, we had Kristen Hawkins here, and uh, she did Stand With Her Sunday, which is post-abortion, or post-Roe versus Wade thing, and it was to equip and motivate the pro-life members. And we had Alveda King here, and I mean, some of the greatest leaders in the pro-life thing were here at our facility mm -hmm. and uh, every one of them was impressed yes. and touched about what Truth and Liberty is doing. So we would encourage you to become a part of that. <coughs> so let me read just real quickly, I'm not going to spend a lot of time. Lance said he doesn't need an introduction. He thinks everybody knows him. <laughs> but the, his great claim to fame is that he is one of our board members on Truth and Liberty. And this is something that actually came out of a time that I had with Lance. I couldn't even tell you, but what, four years or, uh, or more ago? Six years ago. Six years ago. Yeah. And so Lance has been a part of this, and he's kind of a silent partner. He's not the one here doing the interviews, but man, what a privilege to have him. And so Lance, we welcome you to another Truth and Liberty live cast. It's always a blessing to have you. 
Well, I'm so glad that I'm mostly a blessing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you heard that, huh? You took note of I that. I was eavesdropping. Yeah, yeah. So we got so much to talk about. One of the things I want to mention, we did an interview with Mario Marilla today, and he mentioned that you and him are renting the Hertz Arena in, uh, oh, where is it, yeah. Naples, Florida. Tell us a little bit about that, what's coming up. That's right. I mean, we prayed about where to go. Imagine this. We got a Hertz Arena. It's got about seats, 8,000 people. And he just said that we are got to have a fire and glory event where it's going to be preaching reformation and signs and wonders and revival. And he, of course, has this great evangelist uh, anointing. And I've, I've been kind of like a prophet on the trail of reformation, seven mountains and Donald Trump. He said, let's put it together and let's just focus. And now we've got possibly Governor DeSantis, Marco Rubio. We already got 1,500 people pre-registered because we got to every seat you got to sign up to grab. And he, and I think we now have a domain. It's um, fireandglorytour.com. Starting at the Hertz Arena, H-E-R-T-Z, like Hertz the car, right there in Naples, Florida. And uh, we really we just believe, Andrew, that that Florida is one of those states, probably the state, that more than anything else represents the nature of the Reformation we've got to see in every state so that the federal government is disciplined back to serve the people instead of destroy the nation. And so that's why I think uh, Mario felt led to start there. And I said, I trust you, man. I'm, I'm with you. So I just came from there a week ago. And the, and the churches are in unity. The spirit of prayer is flowing. And I believe there may be three or four counties all the way up to Fort Myer that are going to be in revival and awakening. So please go to uh, fireandglorytour.com and uh, join the 1,500 that already guaranteed they got seats. That's awesome. I'm excited about That's that. Great. Well, we got a lot to talk about, but I would like to ask your perspective. It seems like you always see things a little bit differently than other people, but what's happening with like the raid on Mar-a-Lago? Um, what would you yeah, say about that? You know, when, when the war started turning against the Japanese, uh, they changed their tactics and they became kamikazes. And um, it, it was their desperate way of attaching missiles to their planes to take out the destroyers. I think the Democrats are looking at the midterms. They can see Trump's tsunami is coming towards them because 93% uh, of the people that he ran as populist MAGA candidates, they beat their opposition, some of them profoundly. So they're saying... Let's try anything. So this is their kamikaze approach. The, the good part about a kamikaze strategy is you might be able to get lucky and take out a destroyer. The bad part is none of your pilots really like it. So, <laughs> and they don't last very long. <laughs> no, they don't. So this was a kamikaze move. And uh, they're, they're, they had three things they were hoping for. They hoped they would get lucky and discover a secret napkin with a map of the insurrection strategy with Donald <laughs> Trump's initials on it from Starbucks. And they were hoping that was in a box or Melania's closet. Uh, the second thing that they were looking for was particularly evil. They wanted his personal legal documents with his lawyers explaining his strategy to beat the attorney general in New York who was trying to get him on tax evasion issues that have to do with his his businesses from 20 years ago and 10 years ago. And so they seized it. This is particularly evil. 
they took the records of his attorneys and their advice to him mm -hmm. so that they could turn it over to their New York corrupt mafia operation and use that information against him in court and try to use that intelligence. Thirdly, uh, they wanted to find a pretext for accusing him of uh, violating the Espionage Act by having a box of information in there, which they could dubiously say was totally mis inappropriately handled or blah, blah. And, and Lindsey Graham went on television last night and said something that I think we ought to pay attention to. He said, if they think that they can go put Donald Trump on a witness stand in D.C., where 93 percent of the people in the jury are on basically the Democrat payroll up there. If they think they're going to convict him in New York and lock him up and do damage to him, there will be riots on the streets of America. So I wouldn't put it past him. Remember, they're kamikaze right now. So they'll do anything. They'll try to make Donald Trump's people look unstable, look like they're radical. They're 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 praying that we go into violent acts so that they could justify their January 6th narrative. But so far, we have seen the spirit of God just raise up a discipline focused um, national movement that is not going to play their game. And Trump, uh, they're going to have a hard time making a case for being able to um, accuse him of any crime because the Hunter Biden laptop is going off like a bomb in their face. Even even uh, Bill Maher, again, liberals and the New York Times writers are starting to say, hey, we got a problem. If we go after Trump over nothing, um, we got to explain why we're letting the Hunter Biden laptop remain unexplored. And we and so it, this is not this is an interesting moment in American history. I think it's a kamikaze move. I don't think it's going to work. I think it's going to create and feed that backlash in November. Well, also, the liberals are saying that nobody's above the law, not even the president. And they're claiming that this is just a judicial uh, thing that they had the right to do it. What's your take on that? Oh, sure. Well, the, I I think we're living in a very interesting period of time, Andrew. Where if you have already, if you are under a spirit of uh, suppressing the truth and unrighteousness, and I really mean this sincerely, I know that it politicizes dangerously, but I think that w if you're in the habit of uh, being under the influence of a certain spirit, and I think it's a spirit that is on a lot of these these Democrats um, that are willing to suppress the truth and unrighteousness. It's is something which uh, that the Apostle Paul speaks of in the book of Romans right. as being one of the acts that causes God, curious enough, to judge you by giving you over to a lie. Mm -hmm. So what you're seeing is people that are suppressing truth as a moral choice, which is a sin, are beginning to believe the very lie they agreed with. And now they're coming under the delusional influence of their own deception. God's giving them over to the lie that they're believing. And it's this form of judgment. When God stops fighting with you and wrestling with you, people think that God judges you when, you know, you know, lightning strikes. God judges you the moment he stops dealing with you. That's where the fear of the Lord is. I never want the Lord to stop dealing with me. I don't want to grieve his spirit away from dealing with me. And also, Biden said he knew nothing about this. And now uh, you were saying earlier that uh, this couldn't have happened without somebody in the White House giving approval for him suspending his executive uh, privileges. Executive privilege. He, Biden, Biden's, Biden's White House had to know. 
and neither he's he's so incompetent that his his office made the decision for him uh, which is hard to explain or he's lying about having no knowledge because the authorization for Merrick Garland to suspend executive privilege had to come with the approval of the existing president's Oval Office. Do you think wow. that the president of the United States would lie? Well, uh, unfortunately, I'm sorry to say, I think I think Biden's totally capable of lying, but he's equally capable of forgetting he lied. So I got to give him a break. <laughs> oh, oh, man, that's tough. That's tough. That's something else. Lance, you had mentioned that uh, before the show that an FBI agent in charge of the investigation of Donald Trump was escorted out of headquarters today uh, against his will, it sounds like, and resigned shortly thereafter. What do you know about that? Breaking news, breaking news. You can go to John Solomon. John Solomon, by the way, is one of the... Now, we got a lot of Christians that don't tell you they're Christians because they don't need any more problems than they already got. But John Solomon's a, a believer, and he's one of the most credible uh, investigative journalists in the tradition of an actual journalist who, who does news analysis with facts and not opinion. And um, he, uh, and he, has, he has helped to break the story that uh, with just the news that there, that one of the lead guy that was actually the boots of the ground fellow at Mar-a-Lago heading up the FBI uh, investigation was walked out with three, it looks like three agents walked him out of his employment at the headquarters because um, the, same, the theory is that he misrepresented some of the facts regarding the, the, the raid itself and that Merrick Garland and, and Christopher Wray um, are exonerating themselves from any wrongdoing because this is the guy who was responsible for, looks to me like there's a fall guy getting set up, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so that there's a little bit of a buffer there on Christopher Wray and Merrick Garland, which, which won't last. Mm. And also, you said, you'd said something about that the judge who gave the approval for this thing was, was a low-level judge, and to do a raid on the President of the United States, it seems like something... Should have gone yeah, a little higher than what that. What do they call it? a magistrate judge? Yeah. In other words, they should have they should have been dealing with a district judge or the highest level state judge. You don't go down to the lowest level judge you can find that is a political hack that that's on record as hating Trump, who had to recuse himself from a case three months ago because he's on record as not liking Trump. So he recused himself from a case that automatically means that he can't, he should have recused himself on this case. Can I comment on this one here? I'll tell you, as a lawyer, a magistrate is not a regular U.S. district judge who are appointed by the president, confirmed by the Senate. A magistrate is hired by the other judges in the court to do stuff like discovery disputes and motion practice and things like that. They rarely, you can't even, they can't even try a lawsuit without the consent of the lawyers in the case. They're like judge uh, administrators almost. Now they're a little higher than that, but to have a warrant against the president of the United States issued by a magistrate judge, that was the very first thing in the news story that hit me. I was like, what is this? And to turn out that he, he's actually a, a left-wing politico makes it even worse. The, the, the and thing, has admitted his bias against yeah, Trump. Yeah, from my perspective, it stinks to high heaven. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like the crossing guard at the school doing an arrest on the principal. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> let's get it together here. That's funny. That is. And you know, my opinion is that there's a whole lot of believers, conservatives and conservative Christians who 
just don't want to believe how bad things are and they always are looking to see is there any explanation for this other than the obvious truth. But I think that this raid on Trump's residence has just, like you're saying, they're, they're desperate. They've exposed themselves and I don't know how anybody can't see now that I mean they have weaponized uh, the FBI, the DOJ, and they are doing it for political hacks, and it ought to make every conservative come out fighting. It it, it ought to, and I suppose <laughs> doesn't it bother you that that I feel as though I have to I have to constantly make a case to Christians that they should be concerned about this, they yeah. should pay attention to this. It's it's kind of bizarre after a while that uh, I think it's kind of self-evident. You know, I listened to a guy, David Horowitz, who's, you know, Jewish guy's written some pretty, pretty hard-hitting books. He, he said something in a book that I never forgot. He said, the problem with Christians in the conservative movement, from his observation, trying to warn them that the new Marxist progressive Democrats hate you and want to shut your religion down. He said, the problem with the Christians, when I'm warning them, is that they think of their enemy as though it was, they look at them as though it was, if they were on the other side, what would they do? They don't realize these people are not like you. They're not, you, you can't put yourself yeah. in their shoes because you're ethical. They have no ethic baseline. They have no moral restraint. They have no rules. It's just winning. Therefore, any tactic is justified. What you're seeing, Andrew, and I'm seeing in every news item we're gonna cover, if we go down to the student loan, whatever it is, you'll see lawlessness. That means they don't yeah. care what the rules are. They only care about what they can get away with. And so the mistake Horowitz says is you guys don't understand. You think they're like you, only on the opposite side. You don't realize they are not like you. They're lawless and they hate you and they want to destroy you. So Lance, let me ask you this. All of these things that are happening, you're now beginning to see some headlines that they're saying that this uh, red wave may be reduced to a little trickle because of the Supreme Court overturning Roe versus Wade. It's energized the Democrats, and so even uh, Mitch McConnell is uh, basically really downplaying and talking about we may not take back the Senate. How's your feelings on how all of this stuff is affecting the midterms? Well, well, you, well, well let's separate what you said into two, sec two, two areas. One is Roe v. Wade and its impact on the upcoming elections, and two, Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell has been in a proxy war with Donald Trump. This was a surprise to me. This was this was another one of those aha moments in in political life. I'm a Christian. I'm I got a lot I'm doing. Now I'm having to pay attention to Lord, what is going on in government? I'm I'm concerned about this. The Republican Party has two groups. It has the establishment Republicans who don't like Trump and don't like us. And then it has the MAGA Republicans, like the you have uh, Congresswoman Bobart and the and the Marjorie Taylor Greens and the and the we, it's our it's our Trump people. So Mitch McConnell is part of the establishment Republican group that they play with the Democrats kind of as a make believe opposition. Behind the scenes, they're both spending money like drunken sailors. They're involved with Ukraine and getting in wars. There's not much different between a 
a Republican and a Democrat when you look at the Mitch McConnell crowd. So McConnell ran candidates against Trump in the primaries. We don't know that. You would think, Andrew, that Republicans would all want to see Republicans win. But no, McConnell had his candidates and Trump had his candidates. And Trump's candidates beat McConnell's candidates. So McConnell is withholding the funds of the Republican Senate in helping the Republicans that won get money to win. He's going to help them lose if he has a chance. Imagine this is a house divided. He's going to withhold money. Why? Because these people are Trump loyalists. They don't want Mitch in charge. Mitch wants that all-powerful gavel. But he doesn't mind it if he only has it with one senator. He'll, uh, he doesn't need five or six. Same thing with McCarthy. McCarthy's the guy in the congressional group. Well, he talks like he's one of us, but I'll tell you, he's, sorry to say it, he is basically part of the establishment. He's part of the McConnell crowd. So he's downplaying expectations. He's saying, well, it could be we'll take the House. It'll be a struggle. Maybe we'll have four or five seats. Meanwhile, Trump is saying, what's wrong with 30 or 40 seats? Amen. Well, Actually, these guys don't want the MAGA victory because that'll put pressure on them to fight the Democrats. They don't want to fight the Democrats. They want to be establishment Republicans. That's why we got to take out the, the left politically at the midterms and put the right people in so we could take out the right, which is corrupted with the establishment. That's why Roe v. Wade isn't the—by the way, Roe v. Wade won't be the issue, Andrew. Because by the time midterms come, the economy has been so fiscally ill-managed by the Biden regime that the nation isn't going to really be thinking about the Roe v. Wade issue as much as they're going to think about jobs and, and, and heating bills and energy and other issues which are far more practical than, than sexual choices and their consequences. You know, I got to meet with Mitch McConnell and Mike Pompeo. Tony Perkins set it up, and we went in and prayed for him. And I had a, a good impression in the sense that he said he thought his number one job, this is when he was a Senate leader, was to get these judges confirmed. And, man, he pushed judges through, and I thought that he did a great job on sure that. But then I, I just heard this week that he withdrew four to five million dollars worth of ads that the Republicans were going to run for their candidates, and people are projecting that he's doing that so that the Republicans can lose. So it's, it's bearing yeah. out what you're saying. It's really surprised me. And to, and to your point, Mitch McConnell, when it came to getting conservative justices on the bench— he and Trump had the same objective. So where they were in unity, they succeeded brilliantly. It's like having a general on your team who wants to defeat you. It's a problem. Mitch McConnell, when it comes to conservative justices, great track record. When it comes to the rest of the agenda, he's been a major disappointment. And I think the same thing's true of McCarthy. I've heard some people that are, well, Lauren Boebert, uh, Doug Lamborn, our uh, representative here, saying that, man, there's just things that he will not even let come to the floor, and they won't deal with things. And so we're still dealing we with need, a bunch of rhinos. We, we yeah. need Jim Jordan. 
Uh, he's he's a little more rational than Marjorie Taylor Greene. She's a, she, you need her for the uh, for the fireworks. But Jim Jordan's balanced, and he's a wrestler. He's a pro. He's like a wrestler in college. He'll he'll still pin you down and get the job done. All right. So Lance, give us your opinion on uh, Biden just forgiving billions of dollars worth of student loans. I'm telling Hundreds you, Andrew, if it wasn't for the spirit of God, what would we do? Everything this guy touches. Everything he does. I mean, if you have a choice, here's a good idea or a bad idea. This guy picks the bad idea every time. It's like a gift. He's consistent. It's a gift for doing the wrong thing. He's consistent. <laughs> He's totally consistent. Anyway, so, so the two things about this low student loan thing that bother me most, other than the fact that he doesn't have the authority to do it, and I don't know how the heck he gets away with it all the time, spending money. Anyway, be that as it may. The thing that bothers me most is the education system is more responsible for the destruction of America than any of the seven mountains. I talk seven mountains. Because the education system is poisoning the minds of the leaders of the future. The 20% of Americans that go to college end up becoming the corporate managers and leaders at the top of these other mountains. They end up becoming influencers. Obviously, they got the college network, the college degree, blah, blah, blah. What bothers me about this is, the, is that when the education system gets student loans, they collect the money and they get paid, and then they raise the tuition higher. There should be a limit set on what they can do. And they're sitting on the fattest endowments of any corporation in America. Harvard, $20 billion. Princeton, $5 billion. MI. The liberal schools are fat with money from their, from their endowments. They raise their prices, and the government pays them with student loans in order to, in order to sell the kids. Now, listen. If you give me a degree in gender studies, ethnic studies, uh, or whatever you know, stupid degree I go for, and I can't make a living off of that degree, then the free market says you should start teaching subjects that students can get employment out of. Mm -hmm. Instead, the students go there, they take dumb courses that are social activist courses because the universities are liberal. The universities hike up the prices. They get you're, you're paying for it with a government loan. And then, insult added to injury, working-class Americans who didn't go to college will end up paying for the knucklehead that went to college and picked the wrong course and can't make a living. Well, and where does this end is my question, right? If, if this group of borrowers and, uh, you know, uh, failures or whatever, if they're entitled to have all their loans wiped out, what about the next, five years from now or 10 years from now or 15 years? Basically where this goes, it seems to me, is free college education for everybody on the federal dole and the taxpayers will pick up the bill. I mean, I don't see any other way around that. Listen, I wouldn't mind that if they were teaching Karis Bible curriculum because maybe students would get some character they do they, they'd be responsible they'd pay their debts and they'd prosper but if you're going to poison their minds and turn them into liberal activists working for democrat the democrat party no shut these schools down you know victor orban did this if i was trump i think i'd be accused of being a dictator because what victor or orban did he shut down soros's universities and he and he started shutting down left-wing media because they were destroying hungary and once he took them down a notch the nation started to thrive and prosper mm. You know, it was Nancy Pelosi that said a year ago that Biden did not have uh, constitutional authority to uh, wipe out these loans. 
And so here's one of the most progressive uh, liberal leaders saying it was unconstitutional. He doesn't even have the right to do this. And uh, I've heard that there are some of our uh, representatives that are talking about holding him accountable and challenging this. Have you heard anything on that? Uh, to me, it's all theater because behind the scenes, they have to act like that. They're going to pay off these. They're going to pay off their base because they want the they want the youth vote. Listen, they're hemorrhaging. Hispanics are now 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 they used to have a 60 40 advantage on the Hispanic vote. Now it's 50 50. Um, they have had a historic uh, advantage in the black votes, but the male and the black population is now actually leaning more towards Trump than they ever saw before. Uh, so they're they're going for the youth market because they can't afford to have the millennials uh, not on board. So they have to do something to show that they're this. But this is this is what you don't do when you're in a hard recession that could be tilting towards the D word. You don't take a couple of hundred billion dollars and throw it out like uh, more paper on the dumpster fire. That's exactly what you, after, right after he just signs an $800 billion other goofball bill about reducing inflation, which doesn't reduce inflation. You see what I mean? It's like the. It's like. It's like. I feel like I'm in Gotham City, and this is like yeah, uh, Arkin. Yeah. The, the, the the mental hospitals opened up, and this guy's the mayor. I do believe that just like the scripture says, the love of money is the root of all evil. I think that money is going to trump a bunch of these other issues, and our economy is just struggling. And uh, I think that that is going to cause a red wave, if nothing else does. It's going to, Andrew. It's going to do it. Plus the crime wave that's in the cities. It's not going down. It's going up. Plus the border, you know, and I know what Texas is doing. You know, you talk about stir up one another to good works. What happens with Texas is we, we're, our governor's under pressure because DeSantis is always, is always pushing back on the national platform. So our governor has to do something. So he's busing illegals up yeah. to New York City, Washington, and he's saying, you want, you want to bring them in? You could take care of them. But what's interesting is he's doing it because he's got to keep up save face with DeSantis in Florida and do something. But we're seeing the states start to push back on the federal government. And I believe midterms is going to be a, a red victory. And then it's going, then the, the only thing I could tell you is it can only, sorry to say, get more painful until the next presidential election. So we've got a chance to, to recover influence. I pray that the church gets the message God wants because America's got to repent of some other stuff because it's not just politics is, is messed up here. We have to have a moral awakening, and it's not just going to be in the ballot box. It's going to have to be in some other areas, and, I, and, and that's the reason why we've got to do what we got to do because America's got to turn. It can't just be electoral. It has to be a, a shift. And I think some of our viewers might be interested in this, but I had a conference call with John Graves uh, last week. Uh, million, voice, million voices or votes? Yes, million voices. Million voices. And anyway, some people were talking about Trump running and DeSantis being a vice president candidate with him. And he was saying that that is against the Constitution, that you can't have two people that are residing in the same state running for president and vice president. Have you heard about that, Lance? Citizens. Well, that's an interesting point, and that's uh, that's why I like to have these lawyers around now and then to tell me. Uh, so well, is that right, we, you know, Richard? 
You can't have citizens of the same state. Uh, resident is a, is a little bit of a broader term. You can have, be a resident of more than one state, but only a citizen of one. So the question is, you, you might remember this when Hillary Clinton ran for United States Senate back after Bill was president, and uh, she set up a, a residency in New, New York. York. Yeah, which enabled her to run there. People saying, but you've already got this place over in Long Island or whatever, or not long, one other, somewhere else anyway. Um, but so they're different things. So it's okay, possible so that Andrew, Trump could could have a residency in New York instead of Florida. He'll Trump Towers, New York, <clears throat> mm -hmm. as his residence and Mar-a-Lago as a timeshare. <laughs> <laughs> Who's he sharing it with? The FBI? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so where do you think we're going on the uh, Roe uh, versus Wade thing? Of course, you know, it's kicked back to the states. There's already, I forget how many states now have some kind of a uh, law either of uh, that graph she put up yesterday showed 22 states uh, banning or, or restricting all the way to a heartbeat and I think it was just uh, Oklahoma this last week that uh, forbid all abortions yeah. and so anyway where do you think we're going with this Lance well I think that the abortion two things have to happen one I think that the church is, is, is going to have to begin to take responsibility for what it's going to do with, this, with the mothers who get pregnant and don't have abortions. So it's one thing to win the legislative battle. It's another thing to solve the problem because now it's, if there's going to be a decrease in abortions, there has to be an increase in the practical support of uh, single mothers with children. And I think the church is, is good for that. I think we can rise to the task. Uh, secondly, I think it's I think that the the arguments are all on our side because with technology the way it is, my staff I've got some young women there that say you can son you could show uh, uh, an outline of a baby in the womb now a sonogram. It's no longer an abstract object hidden behind a veil of flesh. You can now get a picture of this baby. You could see the outline of it right down to the fingers. The moment you show people the evidence of a heartbeat and a being formed, it immediately, the data shows us that, that, that uh, the leftists who are pro-choice uh, actually start to disagree with each other about when the term termination of the pregnancy is. Nobody goes full term because they see it as a human life. So what happens is the clearer we make the argument, the more we use the evidence in front of us and show people, it's like telling a story, show them the life, the harder it is for the left to justify being passionate about killing and terminating the infant. You know, I've started four pregnancy centers and we have, uh, what do you call them, sonograms in each one of them. And when a lady sees their child, I forget the exact 80%. percentage, 80% choose to keep it. And let me also say this, Lance, you were talking about that we've now got to do something to take care of all of these babies that are going to be born if abortion is outlawed. And did you know that there are nearly 3,000 pregnancy resource centers in the United States? And at its peak, Planned Parenthood only had 600 uh, outlets, and they were 90-something percent all abortion-oriented. They didn't, they don't offer anything that the pregnancy resource uh, centers don't. 
and they not only help the lady decide if she, uh, she wants to keep the baby and show a sonogram, but they provide diapers, food, clothes, uh, counseling, and things like that. And so the liberals criticize Christians and say, you're going to outlaw abortions, but what about all of these women? We've been taking care of them better than Planned Parenthood ever did. And I think, just like you said, the church is going to rise up and fill this void even more as we see it in Andrew, can I just say... Uh, 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 oh. Go ahead, Richard. Well, yeah, I just want to say last night here at Karis, there was an event put on by Students for Life. You mentioned it earlier, but uh, they have pulled together leading pro-life organizations and, and leaders uh, into a united whole to address that very issue. How are we going to care for these women? And they've got resources on their website now. It's called Stand With, uh, Stand With You. Dot org, I think. Um, I think it's dot com. Dot com. Well, we're going to put links on our website as soon as we get them and, and the whole whole video of last night's event. But the church is coming together. It was really inspirational it to was. see. And I, I just want to remind our, our folks of saying an axiom that the left uses very effectively. He who tells the better story wins. Mm -hmm. When we're in the business of public persuasion, and I think Jesus taught this, Lincoln modeled it, learn the stories that make your position powerful because these are emotionally charged issues. And we could be morally clear and accurate based on the scripture, but not move our audience emotionally because we're not making the appeal to their conscience in a way they understand. So we need to tell the stories and illustrate that, like you said, with the sonogram, show the picture and then have some stories about mothers that chose to let the child uh, live and not be aborted and the stories of those children as they became adults who are grateful that they were not aborted. And uh, those stories are, 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 are the currency of persuasion in the electoral season. And the left's uh, argument that, you know, Planned Parenthood is providing all of these services is an out-and-out -out lie. If you were to close every Planned Parenthood, there would not one person go without uh, prenatal care, without all of the things. The pregnancy centers are much more effective than Planned Parenthood was. Ninety-something percent of everything they did was all abortion-related. And it's a total lie. And sad to say, a lot of Christians, because they don't know the truth, uh, they just buy into it and feel that, well, you know, you women are without. That's part, that's part of the story then, Andrew. What you just said, I caught it the second time. You heard it the said it the first time, I caught it the second time. You're absolutely right. If Planned Parenthood is really just planning terminating pregnancies, then these, um, these pregnancy centers are providing the natal care for the, for the mother pre and post. And absolutely. that story needs to be out. And Planned Parenthood will say, oh, no, we provide uh, pregnancy tests and we provide some other things. But what they don't tell you is they only provide it if an abortion is a possibility. And it's all used to do that. They're 95, 98 percent of everything they do is all abortion related. That's where the money is. Well, one of the things we learned yesterday was that um, the uh, abortion pill is now the preferred way of... They said 60%. Yeah, and that it's growing all the time. They were saying that teenage girls, most teenage girls have easy access to the abortion pill. And, and uh, this is the, you know, federal government has authority over that. And so the states are going to have a hard time limiting it. But this is the next phase of the battle, I think, yeah. legally. 
It's terrible. We're going to have to take a break here and take some questions or we aren't going to get any. <laughs> we could talk forever about all this. We've got some good ones here. All right, so this is Let's Stump Lance. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, so let's see here. Um, here's a, a pretty basic question about the the search. This viewer asks, um, the media is saying Trump took information he wasn't supposed to. Is this true? Two uh, facts. One, any information that Trump had, he has the ultimate authority to declassify. So basically anything he has is declassified by virtue of the fact that he has it and declassified it. Secondly, every transition team, Obama knows this, Biden knows this, Clinton knows this. You don't go back to the Oval Office like you and I would do after a vacation and do a sweep of the hotel room, make sure you pick up your telephone charger and didn't leave any clothes in the closet. There's a there's an organization actually that is provided for that provides archival by unboxing and categorizing of your stuff. They go in and gather the papers, they mark it, and they ship it. This wasn't done by Trump and, and his wife saying, I think I'll keep this you know, and, and, I'll, and I'll reject that. So the two parts of this that most people miss is the president didn't go putting folders in his briefcase. It's done by an archival uh, team. And uh, he has the authority to have at Mar-a-Lago whatever he wants to read because that's the scope of the authority. Obama actually made sure the president had that authority in his own administration. So that was, that was when the issue was settled as to the ability of the president to declassify. You know, so that seems like it just makes this raid completely unnecessary. Yeah, it's all a, a sham, isn't it? It is. Well, and one more fact is the, it just came out last week, I think, that the head of the National Archives who called for the FBI to look into this in the first place is a leftist Democrat with a political agenda. Well, so true. it's just all over the place. Well, well, yeah, yeah, well, it also explains why that first week you were hearing about nuclear codes. There's nuclear, I mean, they leaked the dumbest stuff. It's like the yeah. nuclear codes. Why would they say that? You know why they said that? Because it would take something of that magnitude to, that you can't classify. I mean, you can't declassify a nuclear code. Obviously, then everybody gets it. But the idiocy is, obviously, uh, 13 months later, you wouldn't be going down to Mar-a-Lago to make sure you could retrieve a nuclear device. Yeah. <laughs> how, 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 it's like at every level, it is, it, it's, it's implausible. Yeah, my wife heard Dan Bongino say that he, you know, was in the Secret Service or something, and he's got friends there, and he says the instant that a president leaves office, all of the codes are changed, everything is completely done, any information that he had would be totally outdated and of no effect. So there's just a lot of stuff. It's the ignorance of people that they're playing on and mm -hmm. hoping that the American public is too dumb to recognize what they're doing. Well, Lance, here's another question. Again, this is about the Trump search. This uh, guest wants to know, I heard from one source saying that months before DOJ executed the warrant search, they came to Trump's house and everyone cooperated. Can this be confirmed? Yes, it's already confirmed. In fact, it's not only confirmed, uh, Trump pointed out in his own um, immediate response, he said, these guys were just here two months ago and they asked me to put a second lock 
on the vault so that we would have extra security for the boxes. I showed them all the contents, I showed them where it was, and I took their advice and put a second lock on, which they came down and broke in order to do the, uh, you know, the search. Eric Trump, I was in New York with Eric Trump at Octavia, New York, at a revival meeting with uh, Clay Clark's, um, you know, Reawaken America tour. And Eric was speaking. He said, you guys see what happened uh, uh, this week at Mar-a-Lago? He said, here's what happened. I'm looking at a monitor of our facility because I can see our security cameras, and I see the FBI is raiding. I get a call from the lawyers. They say the FBI has shown up at the property. I call dad. I call my father. I say, go take a look. He turns on. Evidently, he has the ability to go look at the, at the security camera. He says, what's going on? He said, the FBI is there. So Donald Trump finds out from Eric Trump, who happens to discover that the FBI is raiding the property. They wrote their response, including the comment that Trump says they already were here two months ago. I would have given them anything they want, and I, I, they asked me to change, add a lock, and I added extra locks. I don't get what's going on here. Donald Trump made the decision not to publish in Truth Social his response until something like 4 p.m. or later on in the day because he didn't want to endanger the FBI with a confrontation by notifying in the in his own media that his house is being invaded by the FBI and he doesn't know why they're there because it could have endangered the FBI if his friends down there thought that his house was being unjustly raided. So he waited until they were wrapping it up to publish. That shows a couple of things. One, his interest was not in, in retaliation. It was in self-control waiting until they were done so that he could publish his response. And he wrote the response with Eric while he was watching them wander through his house. I tell you, this is amazing. This is third world country stuff. Yeah, it absolutely it really is. is. Our government is on the verge of being totally out of control. Well, we, we had Bill Federer on uh, two or three weeks ago. It was the same day that this happened. And uh, I encourage everybody to go back and watch that archive video, that live cast on our website, because Bill gave a historical perspective on it in a nice condensed way that, you know, this is about as serious as it can get uh, when it comes to the survival of our republic. If the government can start punishing political opponents with law enforcement for political purposes, then liberty is just gone. We cannot allow this. It's that serious. It is. Well, Lance, we got time. We want to do one more question. Sure. Oh, we got we got more than one here, but um, this uh, person, Bug C, is his name on chat. But he wants to know about uh, possible World War III. He says Putin and China know how incompetent Biden is. So, what are your thoughts about a possible World War III? If Trump uh, was in office, uh, the war between Russia and Ukraine wouldn't have happened. And uh, so, what do what do you see in the future as far as China and Russia? Russia is doing very well right now. It doesn't need World War III. It's winning. It's got Europe now um, virtually crippled because they, they're, they're going to have to figure out, they got to pay Russia for their gas. He's got the pipeline. The environmentalists have destroyed Germany, the, the major economy in Europe. Um, they're shutting down their nuclear plants France still has its nuclear plants working, but the uh, but the economies of Europe are in a shambles because the environmentalists um, uh, all um, all all pulled them off of uh, energy grid independence. They're dependent on on Russia, 
So Russia's not interested in escalating anything. They're getting paid, by the way, in rubles. So um, it's it's Europe that's struggling right now. And even and Russia, by the way, is taking the land they want from Ukraine. So in, in every respect, there's no incentive there. Now, as far as Taiwan is concerned, the Chinese would love to pick up that $2 trillion chip manufacturer, the Silicon Valley of the East. It would be, they would give them the ability to crush America economically. But President Xi is up for, in their own strange communist way he's up to being party endorsed for his next for his emperor for life thing i thought they did this before but evidently he has to go through the ritual of all the party endorsing him now do you remember these cities that they're locking down over there like uh, this weird like these big cities shanghai and this 20 million people locked down i found something out they're saying it's zero covid tolerance policy but they're not stupid they know as well as you and I do, the death rate with COVID isn't serious enough to shut down a city. They're doing it because there are three princes in China that represent different tribal factions of political communists, and she is shutting down those provinces and cities under the premise of COVID in order to keep them from having any disruption, protest, or riots on the street because of their fiscal problems or their real estate market or the fact that they can't get their money out of their banks. In other words, they're shutting down provinces and cities of the princes who would oppose Xi being endorsed as emperor for life. He cannot, therefore, afford to embroil the nation in a controversial war with Taiwan that has unpredictable factors at this point in time. So it's not likely that China is going to go after Taiwan until he's buttoned up his own interests politically and he's removed his rivals from being able to interrupt that process. So there you have it. God has the globe under control right now. Well, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but I've seen that wars lots of times cause people to rally behind their leader. They figure, you know, we may disagree with a lot of things, but man, we aren't going to sit here and speak against them in a time of war. So war has been used uh, to draw support. What do you think about that? It, it, absolutely right. But it works when you are, when you've got a good story to tell about how you are the defender. So for Lincoln, it was the, it was the Civil War stand with the president. Uh, with Roosevelt, it was December 7th, a date that will live in infamy. China's problem is it is the provocateur. Yeah, they'll have unity, but they're picking a fight with a small island. It doesn't look very romantic. So um, it's not exactly like he's defending the honor of China. In this case, uh, it, it doesn't. The optics don't justify the the attack. It looks like they would be the aggressor. It looks to me like that the way Biden treated Afghanistan and the withdrawal, that, man, we've just lost any credibility on this president ever standing up and doing anything. Yeah. Oh, I go, oh, oh, there's no doubt about the deterrence. Notice, I did not say the deterrence was the American military. Yeah. It, not with Russia and not with China. If anything, the pressure for them to act more aggressively, Putin and Xi, is the fear that Donald Trump will be back in office and they can't do anything when he's back. Even if America's on the ropes economically, they still fear dealing with Trump. So that means they got to do something between now, 
in 2024. That's the other side of the equation. They don't want to wait till Trump's back. So we got two years to keep praying that it's an inconvenient time to go to war. And, you know, General Boykin, I was just on a call with him today, and, man, I mean, our American military has nearly been gutted. They are getting rid of all of the conservatives and the people that have testosterone. I actually heard that they are having a transgender uh, something that they are treating military people have to go to these transgender, what do you call them, cross-dressing or whatever, and that's oh, part of the military Andrew, training. No, this isn't possible. No, it's happening. Andrew, give me a healing testimony. We only got a minute left. I need to hear God. What, God, what is God doing? Well, <laughs> God's doing great things, but it's in spite of what the world. You know, I really believe that we're just seeing the middle ground leave. They're either becoming hot or cold, black or white. And in a way, I think ultimately it's going to work out for our good because people like Raphael Warnock, who pastor Ebenezer Baptist Church where Martin Luther King used to be the pastor. And he's now trying to use the Bible to defend and promote abortion. They're just, they're losing any credibility that they have. And I think it's separating the sheep from the goats and it'll ultimately work to our advantage. Mm -hmm. So we are out of time. Lance, you're always a blessing, man. There's, you always stir the pot. <laughs> I went from being mostly to always. I feel better. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Real quickly, what's your uh, website? We got 40 seconds. LanceWallnow.com, W-A-L-L-N-A-U. And uh, you can find me there on Getter and on Facebook and on YouTube and just try to find it. Lance Wallnow. So we sure appreciate you, Lance. You are a blessing. And we appreciate CTN carrying this on their network for us. They've really been good about doing that and we appreciate all of you who watch and I tell you I think that these are just some awesome broadcasts that are giving you some information you may not get in the left stream media. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Amen. So anyway, well, we you love you. The, you guys are the best. You really are. I look at your stuff every week. It's the best. So thank you thank for you. joining us. Be with us again next week for Truth and Liberty. God will come through. Miracles are waiting for you, but not if you stay in the boat. It is vital for the church to be the salt of the earth and have the God-intended righteous influence on our culture and community. Faith doesn't give you the whole picture. God doesn't tell you every step along the way. He says, trust me. Is the finish line how much stuff you can accumulate before you die and leave it all behind? Or is the finish line standing before God? We must rebuild the United States of America, this constitutional republic under God. The time is now. We cannot wait any longer. Join us next time for the Truth and Liberty broadcast. Find tonight's episode and related articles and links at truthandliberty.net. Truth and Liberty is viewer supported. If you'd like to help us continue our live casts, you can make a donation at truthandliberty.net.